This is a cloud seeding bomb, and it was invented at China Lake, yeah, China Lake, California. To this day, they're still at it. I have FOIAs from 1994. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Uh, we are going to be talking to Jim Lee a little bit later, who seems to have found a way to at least start my transition into chemtrails and weather manipulation. Um, definitely the best argument yet. I will throw in the caveat that this show is probably worth checking out the YouTube video because there was some visuals and things like that. So uh, if you head over to the Grammarica YouTube page, Graham will have the link in the show notes. This is one that's worth the video. Uh, but the intro won't be there, so you should listen to the intro first. Unless, of course, you want to skip the intro, and the timestamp for that is in the show notes as well. So, without further ado, we got Graham Show Notes Dunlop. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Good, how you doing? Oh, not bad. This one made quite an impact on you. I love when these episodes like have a, make a real difference on our belief system or whatever. Or, yeah, it changed my yeah. paradigm a little bit. Yeah, or my zeitgeist. Awesome. Would it be my zeitgeist or my paradigm? Yeah. Your idiom? That's a Holy Grail like, reference. Idi- yeah, I don't. You don't get it. I've seen the Holy Grail, but I was coming down off mushrooms. Yeah. So I got to watch it again. Yeah, you should. I have it on a stick. Because what I did is I downloaded all the Monty Pythons and all the X-Files because I was going to put them on a stick for you for, I think, your birthday last year or Christmas, and I just forgot. Oh, that would have been a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of X-Files, we got the, there's there's an X-Files game out there, and we have the creators coming on the show to talk about the deep stay in the X-Files game. Is it a PC or Xbox or? Well, I thought it was a board game. Like, I thought it was one of these. Oh, is it a board game? Well, it's not, I don't think. Oh. I think I just downloaded it. I think it's an app on my phone. I just downloaded it, so we'll see. We'll play it a little bit, see how it goes. I don't really like digital games as much, but... I, I, I as well prefer board games. I just prefer board games that aren't super light. What do you mean? We should put, Let's do a board game night or something. I'd love to do a game there's night. There's some really cool board games out there. Yeah, I'd get into that for sure. Like when we were at the cabin there, we played that... Uh, no, nah, nah, we're not playing that. No, it was re- no that's one of the best ones. It's that like one, one of the most famous board games. Really? Yes. That one? Yes. It seems kind of Dungeons and Dragons-y. Uh, they have, they've made one like that concept that's called Betrayal at Baldur's Gate that is very Dungeons and Dragons-y, but Betrayal House in the Hills, a haunted house. What about like headbands and stuff? What? Or, oh, I see what you So this would be a dudes only fucking board night, game night. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. I could get into that. It would be sort of like poker night. Um... Yeah. I could get into that. Yeah. I think I'd, I wanted to get into like a couple's game night would be cool too. Definitely. Stuff like that instead of television and fucking alcohol. You run out of things to do. You can only go see so many movies. Yeah. So what else was I going to say about that? Yeah. This gym. So this video, yeah, his presentation is amazing on this. Oh, it's it's very, it's very, very good. All the documentation. He basically takes us through his website as we chat because he's so good at navigating and he's got a, a huge database of all kinds of documents and information on this stuff. It was really, really good. So does that mean we can start to get rid of the Senate report that's in here taking up like six inches of space? Cubic foot. Yeah, I haven't really done. Um, I mean, I've been slowly burning it and my kids have, paint, have painted probably 50 or 60 pictures. Yeah, I guess. Backs we could probably, yeah, I don't know. That cost me quite a bit to print out too. Yeah, that's just, <laughs> I don't know why you did that. 
Well, you could have. You I just was had pumped it. at the time. Yeah, but you could have just scrolled center. through it on your computer. It's hard to do. <laughs> it's yeah. it's easier to go through a fucking stack of paper a foot high. How many pages was it? Seven hundred. Are you going to print out? Oh, I can't talk about that. Oh. Seven hundred something. Anyways, I do have I do have a couple things uh, in this intro planned for the geoengineering episode. Ah, oh. the segment. A little mini one. All right. Well, let's start with this. Darren and Graham are going deep. It's a profound UFO quote of a week. Words to ponder and critique. It's a profound UFO quote of a week. Trying to catch me off guard there, eh, buddy? I'd say I gotcha. <laughs> so this is, if one human being out of tens of thousands who, have, who allege to have seen these phenomena is telling the truth, then there is a dire need for us to look into the matter. And that was Lord Davies of Leek, member of the House of Lords. I think you've, you've read that one before. Oh, you think? Yeah, 100%. There's been a few House of Lords people in here. Okay. Well, okay, I'll read another one. Well, I didn't say it. Okay. The discs use a means of propulsion different from ours. There is no other possible explanation. Flying saucers come from another world. That was Louis Bruget. Bruget. <laughs> I think yeah. he nailed it. Uh, French aircraft designer and manufacturer. Bruet, the French are if it's way French, more, it's probably Bruet. The French are way more open to all this than us over here. It's crazy. They had that Cometa report, a bunch of scientists saying, like, basically the logical explanation is it's extraterrestrials. That's what drove Leslie Kane to read the book or to write the book uh, UFOs, generals, pilots, and government officials on the record. That that report. So that somehow nobody wants to talk about. Is communion the one about aliens too? What? Is communion about aliens? Yeah. Abductions Someone told me I had to read it. Really? Yeah. That's, I don't feel like I need to that's read like, it. That's like that Whitley Streber. That's one. who that's I thought kind of it was. A, yeah. Doesn't seem like something I need to read. No, I don't think so. You I'll watch the that. movie. You can skip that. You could fill me in on the juicy bits. Yeah. So what do you got? What? Uh, oh, here we go. I haven't played this in a long time. People are going to be happy. Graham is an all-in believer in chemtrails. Chemtrails. The most requested ringtone of all time. Doesn't bug me as much after doing this episode. There you go. So what was I doing? Oh, well, you know what I want to do? I just want to read, because this is kind of fun, and I haven't done it for a while, but I'm going to read it backwards, and it's only starting from uh, 2013 downwards, but I want to read some uh, patents, weather modification patents, because I, I just think it's fun. So we're missing the last five years. Up to We should have a patent reading jingle. I bet you we could find all sorts of crazy patents. But, uh, yeah, there's probably some, <laughs> there's some so, doozies. So this is from 2013, and I'm going to go down in the years here. So saltwater spray systems for cloud-brightening droplets in nanoparticulate generation. Geoengineering method of business using carbon counterbalance credits. <laughs> that sounds evil. Ground-based manipulation and control of aerial vehicle during non-flying operations. Method and system for controlling solar radiation on the surface of the earth by means of controlled aerosol dispersion. That's pretty obvious. 
electrohydrodynamic aerosolization device having a time-varying voltage. Ooh. Atmospheric injection of reflective aerosol for mitigating global warming. So now we're getting into all this, Whoa. you know, global warming Let's stuff. Let's not go mitigating things. RFID environmental manipulation. Our, our, our history of fucking success in that? the long term of predicting the science is not good enough to be fucking That's preventing That's my things. point about the whole thing. Well, if you would have just said that from the beginning, I would have just agreed with you and we could have skipped this whole thing. It's five years 90 ago. episodes ago. <laughs> so get, did you hear that one? RFID environmental manipulation? Whoa. Yeah. So that's harp. Uh, no. Radio frequency? I don't think that's harp. Yeah, harp's a fucking... Is it radio? I didn't yeah. think it was radio. What the fuck else would it be? Lasers? Um, I don't know. It just doesn't <laughs> seem right. Okay, so now we're going down to like 2009. Methods for environmental modification with climate control materials and coverings. Keep going. Weather modification by Royal Rainmaking Technology. That's down to 2005. 2003, method and apparatus for controlling atmospheric conditions. Back in 2003, still method and device for cleaning the atmosphere. An electrodynamic particle size analyzer. That's not really too, too interesting. System for measuring the flow rate of a gas by means of ultrasound. Oh, this is not good. Process and apparatus for the production of nanofibers. 2003 was a big year. Not when you're spraying them in the that's uh, how atmosphere. I, that's how I get my fucking kick-ass golf club. Isn't that carbon? Yeah. That's. Oh, I'd rather not be breathing it in. Propellant-based aerosol generation devices and method. That's from 2002. Aerodynamic particle size analysis method and apparatus. Ooh, process and apparatus for the Here production of nanofibers. The method mo of modifying weather. That's still, there's still all these. HARP all these is things. a high-powered radio frequency transmitting oh, facility. Radio, eh? hmm. So the RFID things are interesting. So anyways, that's enough of that, I think, for now. I can Bad move news, into, buddy. Uh, Bad news. You're not recording? No, I just sold you the bill for 25 grand U.S. Good news is we're, we're, going to, we're going to Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> did you, is there a trade somewhere? Like, did somebody come this way? Or? No, I just put a picture of you in the chat. Is that just a top off? A, oh, come on. And he said, you, he said he'd buy you. So I said, okay, I'll go. <laughs> I'll deliver in the US. Yeah. I pondered whether or not I wanted to tell you, but I'd rather go into this with a clean conscience. Jesus. I was just going to surprise you with a trip. <laughs> what do you got? Uh, you well, I do have uh, transitions. Try, I'm trying to find, I, I'm really having troubles with this, uh, this computer here and the way I've got it set up. Let's talk to James. Well, I had a bunch of emails uh, separated out. Weeds legal in Canada, oh, October you know what? 17th. Maybe it's because I'm on the wrong. No, I am in there. October 17th. Really, eh? Yep. Oh, I don't know what to do now. They're gone. Mm. Oh. Bingo, bingo, social media. 
Okay, I, I found it. It's all it's all already uploaded into the uh, my Google instead of in the emails. Sorry, dude. So you're just gonna keep going then? No, you go do your thing, and then I'll come back to this. Okay, we got on number two ninety. I wonder if the chemtrails fuck with the electric universe, making it more difficult to pull free energy. On uh, Grimerica Talks with Philip J. Watt. I think that was when we were on his show. I can't remember. Yeah, it must have been. Oh my God, Trump is the pedo ring. That is his affiliation with Russia, Czech Republic, etc. Easy to find if you want to know. On number 291 with Jason Louvre, we have, if more of you supported the show, they'd be less sick of podcasting. <laughs> Here we got, that's crazy, almost... That's crazy almost synchro, like I've been recently binge-watching his channel. I love his way of explaining the occult magic and all manner of workings. Here we got... Darren, every time I hear you poking fun at Grambo about his pronunciation of NASA, I think of Grant Cameron. You know, your fellow Canadian and UFO research god? Go back and listen to some of his stuff. He pronounces it NASA, just like our boy does. And he probably pronounce his pronunciation right too because that's pretty ironic that good company to that. good company to be right and i said uh doesn't make it right what <laughs> can't believe you're replying to those comments what did i uh you, you pronounced pronunciation wrong there pronunciation yeah. pronunciation anyways i got a Maybe comment i did it on purpose i got a comment here from instagram on the jason Louvre show this is from think not a truly amazing show. Jason Louvre had me hooked from the very beginning. In spite of the technical difficulties the Grey American team encountered, the first time they tried to record the show, the wait was well worth it. I was in the middle of my painting my living room and I listened to the show. I was so riveted the paint on my brush went dry. So I sat down on my dust sheets and didn't move until the very end. I was left thirsting for more and definitely want to hear about the Nazis. I sincerely hope it will not be too long before Darren and Graham have a follow-up show. This episode has made it to my top five Grimerica shows. Thanks to you both for such great quality, great guests, and great content. Well worth the value subscription price, guys. A special call out to Lucid Knapp for the fabulous artwork she produced for the show. And she still does some sterling work for Grimerica for free, and the Lost Bread graphic novels she produces are well worth adding to your collection as well. I have the Instagram ones now, too. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, okay. We got another one here by our buddy Jeff D. Uh, this was a really, this is on uh, Philip J. Watt again. I can't remember if it was our show. It must have been us on his show. This was a really fun show, guys. I appreciate hearing you delve into politics a little bit because it's what's on a lot of people's minds. The Black Budget app with RPJ and Alex from Skeptico was really helpful for me to hear. As a listener from almost day one, I enjoy hearing your opinions, even if I don't necessarily agree 100% every time. You have always stated them in a way that's fair and respectful, and that's what matters to me. Oh, that was a good one. Nice. Uh, oh, that one's like six paragraphs. Jesus Christ. How do people come up with this? They gotta be copy-pasting, right? 
Okay, I'm going to wrap it up there. Oh, here we got You Two Are the Balls. Your show is long and interesting. Found you through Spotify, but I do the YouTube thing to find Randall Carlson. I like MU, Mysterious Universe Pod, but you two blow them out of the water based on your content, volume, and sheer humor before interviews. Keep up what you are doing. I will soon become a regular contributor. But only if my monthly payment is strictly black budget. The flat earth balloon and rocket bit I caught made me commit to becoming a paid subscriber. I love your political impartiality, and I probably would not shoot Bigfoot. Can I say Philip K. Dick without this comment being held? Michael Mercer. Awesome. Yeah. I'll leave it there. Thanks. All right. So I'm back to these. uh, So I get some emails from aircraft.org. I thought I'd save them for this episode especially. So there's a new device being developed to detect airborne chemical warfare agents in real time. So what they're saying is there's an, there's a, uh, a technique that could one day be used to alert communities of chemical or biological attacks. Now, this is kind of not really, not really directly related, but it kind of is because it can detect, you know, very modest amounts of chemicals circulating in the air and they're using lasers and, you know, each of these chemicals has a unique frequency. So they're using lasers. Lasers. It's like spectropathy. <laughs> Spe- spectra. Spectrox. Now I can't say that. Spectrosity? No, not quite. Spectroscopy. That's better. Mm. Yeah. With broadband. What does that mean? And it combs, combs the, combs the air. So there's lots of uses for this. Does that mean it turns it into specs? You know what that's like. It's like those, those, uh, what do you call when you look, look in the, look in the thing? The, mo- the microscope. Microscope. Yeah. That's get spec. Don't they use that? Don't they use that to get real deep down there? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I don't know what kind of science you're doing, (laughs) what you're looking at. So, for example, those who live near farms could use something like this to detect glyphosate in the air from from pesticide spray drift. That thing would be off the... So what what are they going to do when they develop this and they realize there's, there's crap floating all over the place in the air? A spectroscope, an apparatus for producing and recording spectra for examination. What's a spectra? <laughs> it's a rabbit hole in itself. So anyways, there's another one here. You, you kind of mentioned this. Like, don't, don't jump to conclusions about the, the future of our weather and climate. So scientists, uh, they're trying to build a giant sunshade for the Earth <laughs> in an astonishing bid to stop global warming. Spectra is the plural of spectrum. So the sunshade of ash, oh, that's nice. Just make it out of ash. The sunshade of ash make will cool the earth, say scientists. Solar geoengineering, which would mimic big volcanic eruptions that can cool the earth by masking the sun with a veil of ash, is now dominated by rich nations and universities such as Harvard and Oxford. Twelve scholars from countries, I'm not going to name all the countries, they wrote in the journal Nature on Wednesday... They're the most vulnerable to global warming and should be more involved. These developing countries must lead on solar geoengineering research, they wrote in a commentary. That's pretty fucking scary to me. Indeed. The experts wrote, 
The technique is controversial, and rightly so. It is too early to know what the effects would be. It could be very helpful or very harmful. A UN panel of climate experts in a leaked draft of a report about global warming due for publication in October is skeptical about solar geoengineering, saying it may be economically, socially, and institutionally infeasible. So, there you go. So, putting a lot of effort into stopping global warming, which may not even really be happening. Maybe that's why it's not happening. Yeah. They saved the day. Moving along. Yeah. All right. So that's enough of that. I'll put those links in the show notes. I mean, I could get into all kinds of stuff on this geoengineering, but this episode's loaded with it, so I'll just move on. <laughs> Bless you. Zoom tight. Got any synchros? Yeah, I do. Let's let's. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read the one that I didn't read last time. It's the rainbow synchro. Ooh. And this will kind of be a good follow. I'm a rambling gram with synchronicities all over the web. And Aaron is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. Hey there, fellas. A new member of your Brit posse here. What's so funny? Nothing. What's so funny? Someone said you look pretty good in your little brother's t-shirt. My what? Little brother's t-shirt. Did you say that's yours? No. It's your t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> Why is yours large? Is this a large? Why is it tighter on me than my large is? <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> mine are stretched out of it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe it's a medium. No, it must be a large. <sighs> Interrupted as usual. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. Okay, back to this email. A new, a new member of the Brit Posse here. However, your sweet Canadian voices radiate from speakers and headphones in Vietnam. And that is where I'm currently calling home. Firstly, a big, fat, massive thank you for all your efforts in making a top-notch show. I've been listening for some months and really appreciate what you deliver. Your banter and approach to the fringe side of things instantly resonated with me, and I consider you friends I have yet to meet. I shall be sending you a few thousand Vietnamese dong shortly. Whilst plugging the show to this end to anyone who will listen slash comprehend. Now synchro time. My mom. Me mom. Died a few years ago when I was in my early 20s. It goes without saying that was a sad time, but I feel fortunate enough to be able to find such positives from this experience. Particularly in terms of a spiritual awakening and growth. I've had countless synchros, seeming to me at least, as winks from the other side, and I'm very happy to share them, but today let's stick to a rainbow theme. Of course, rainbows are fairly common-ish sightings, but the timing, location, and consistency of these have left me with tears, laughter, and my jaw on the floor all at the same time. I shall hit you with a list of a few of the good ones. So obviously lots of uh, rainbow impacts. Within hours of mum passing, a nice juicy rainbow pops out on my journey home from the hospital. There are, no- there are a number of rainbows later that week seen by myself, family, and friends, both together and separately. One anniversary of my mom's non-physical return, whilst I was working on a ship, I drop a sunflower overboard to be then greeted with rainbows in the ocean spray. A tree for my mom was planted in a local park near my family home. The park can be seen from the upstairs windows during a time when I was back home in Leicester, I was having a good think about my mom, and then I went upstairs to see a rainbow emanating directly from her tree in the park. 
at my sister's wedding last year, a real beauty of a rainbow joined the party for about an hour and a half. No, sorry, about a half hour. During this photo, she's like a rainbow by the Rolling Stones, coincidentally synchronistically played from the wedding playlist. By this point, after countless other rainbow synchros, there's a strong rainbow mum association by most members of my family, both with the spiritually and non-spiritually inclined. Recently, my sister has been stirring spiritually towards an awakening. (laughs) This sister, Sarah, has found the physical absence of my mum the hardest. She's always loved the timely appearance of rainbows, but until this point is yet to really dive into something, some of the mysteries of life. I suggested a trip to Glastonbury for some inspiration or magic or both. It had been raining continually for a few days and nothing had changed the morning we had planned to head to Glastonbury. We decided to go anyways, battling the British puddles. Well, he's on. We hiked the Glastonbury tour. The supposed heart shocker of the planet. And it was in sideways rain. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) To be greeted by the top by a break in the rain, a shift in the clouds, and the autumn sun to beam through delivering a rainbow ring. Imagine the rainbow continuing in an arch as the land drops away due to being on a large mound. Failing that, think of Mario Kart. I don't get that reference. May I note this is the second rainbow I've seen at the top of the tour. Also bringing with it a distinctive mum vibe and a colorful hug for when I really needed it. I could go on with other examples and with other similar stories from the rest of the fam. For me, each one was profound at the time, but now looking at them as a growing catalog, it really does seem to have some extra punch. Apologies to Mr. D-Ron for putting him in the sticky situation of raiding my death mum. My dead mum. Who I believe to be pulling some synchro strings from behind the scenes. But I do not for one second question his capability and professionalism when it comes to the sophisticated arch art of... Synchronicity rating. So he really wants you to rate this then. Thanks once again and keep up the good work of presenting and assisting others and sharing wonderful pieces of this magical puzzle. Increase the peace. Ooh, I like Ooh, that. And then he says, that's from Nick, and he says, P.S. I'll chat about the Vietnam squatty potty situation next time, which we talked about in the last episode. And P.P.S. I found you on a general spiritual slash alternative podcast search. I forget the, the keyword. Yeah. What yeah, it's always, you get that email? Oh, that's going way back. Back to when? I've been saving this for a while. March. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, March 2017. Oh. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> so you've had that for... Thanks for your patience, Nick. <laughs> a year and a bit. Yeah, what if he still listens? Months. He probably stopped listening. Yeah, because we just got the, the Squatty Potty one not too long ago. Hmm. Well, So yeah, he's still listening. Okay, I'll give him an eight. See how I keep things going for that long? I'm a bit of a pack rat that way. I don't know why you wouldn't just read it like a couple years ago. I'm juggling hundreds of emails and trying to keep them sorted, you know, <laughs> keep it all, all sorted and make them somewhat relevant sometimes. That's Anyways, where you're some of, them, some of them slip through the cracks. Really? So, you what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, it's nice to hear. Oh, an eight? Nice. Nice. That's good. An eight because of the yeah. shape of an eight? Really? Yeah. A circular, double circular rainbow. Super rainbow. Yeah, nice. Once you turn off the volume on your computer, there when recording podcasts, your Discord's going off. Probably is fucking D and D stuff. <laughs> it's the only one I got with the notifications on. Probably. <laughs> You're such a dork. 
Do you have anything else or should we go into our bag and for my yeah, spiel? Yeah, we should probably do that. I mean, it is nice. I uh, love to get emails from people and it is nice to know how you found the show as well. It's our only real market research. Yeah, it is. And we spend a little bit of time before our shows just going through listener emails and feedback and topics and experiences and sharing them. So it's always nice to, to get those emails and to share listeners' experiences. Yeah. And you guys are the marketing team. So we also need you guys to be out telling people about the show, sharing the show on social media, wherever else you're hanging out online, rate the show wherever you can, share the show wherever you can, and head over to grimerica.ca slash support, oh, sorry, and sign up for a monthly, would be fantastic. Um, May was a slow month for us, so it'd be good to see June bounce back, if he could come, you know, if he can a couple bucks a month yeah it's the only way we can keep interviewing these long yeah uh, actually at all but especially the long ones without ads and all that is with with your support trying yeah. to get up to the one percent level yeah that's right so it'd be good to have a bounce back maybe we kind of dropped off our rates so let's see if we can bounce back from that in the next couple months be super helpful uh of course that's grammarica.ca slash support there's like 30 different options from weeklies to monthlies to yearlies there's a uh, patreon page for people who don't want to do paypal and there's a i haven't fixed the litecoin yet so don't donate litecoin quite yet but the bitcoin and the ethereum and uh, all that stuff is up and running again so you can send stuff there but yeah we could really use uh, a couple good months here be awesome Oh, by the way, if you do support the show, you do get access to the Black Budget feed. I think there's coming up on almost 30 episodes in there. The last one was the one and only David Matheson, where we didn't talk about the stars really at all and spent some more time talking about uh, some political things, which is another sort of paradigm shift for me anyways. I don't know about you, but it definitely changed my outlook on a few things. Yeah, it definitely made me sort of swing, Question, yeah. swing the other way a little bit yeah absolutely. as opposed of just like straight on libertarianism or minarchism and that kind of thing we talked a little bit about i don't know maybe the negativity of negative negative side of that you know yeah. not necessarily going into socialism or anything like that but just we we, we just explored some cool cool things with some him. food for thought yeah absolutely some food for thought and just so people know that 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 donation that gets you access to the black budget is any anything any one time any any recurring donation um, you know, even if you can't afford it, just send Graham an email and uh, we'll get you hooked up with that. And there's some good content in there. We're going to be putting some more awesome stuff in there as well. Yeah, that's right. All right, guys. Okay. Enjoy the chat. Jim Lee.
right, tonight we're super excited to have Jim Lee with us. This will be one of my favorite topics for sure. He's been he's dedicated like seven years of his life to understanding the truth and the lengthy history on weather modification. So we're going to be talking about geoengineering and chemtrails and contrails and and uh, some actual activist type stuff that he's been doing. And he's got a we- awesome website. It's 3D Climate Viewer. It's uh, climateviewer.com. So we're going to dig into all that. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Welcome to the show, Jim. Appreciate you having me, man. Yeah, like I was showing you on the wall here, there's that cover page of the 1978 report. So, I mean, this has honestly been, I save up all these stories for the show. We do intros and stuff. I mean, I don't always get enough time to talk about it, but the whole geoengineering, the whole weather modification thing is really fascinating to me. And when I found out about you, which is actually from a listener again, which is awesome. We have the best listeners sending us uh, people. Like, I I was surprised I hadn't... um, you know, really found a lot of your work prior to that. I mean, I think I had seen it, but I didn't really put two and two together. And um, it's exactly what I've been looking for. The history of all the weather fuckery that's been going on, you know, and I watched, started watching some of your, your videos and your presentations and you've laid it all out in amazing format for everybody to see exactly what's been going on. And it's very, very underrated. It's this whole phenomenon is underrated. People don't get that they've been messing with the weather for so for so long and here we are you know being blamed as citizens on global warming and all this kind of stuff and i've always thought why aren't they they don't take any of this stuff to account you know yeah so the 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 thing i like to say is they like to blame it all on climate change and climate change is your fault but they never talk about the climate changers and the climate changers have been at it for well over 100 years. Um, if you go to weathermodificationhistory.com, uh, you'll see that my first entry on a very lengthy timeline is 1839. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, if you go back to the 1800s, there was a guy named James Pollard Epsy. He was known as, or Espy, he was known as the Storm King. And uh, he actually made one of the first weather maps for the U.S. Navy. And uh, this meteorologist said, hey, why don't we burn massive forest fires on the West Coast so that we can seed rain on the East Coast? Um, And and it just goes on from there. Um, Really, the history could be broken down into three major parts. Um, And I derived this from my personal hero, um, Jim, Jim Fleming. Okay. Or Dr. Yeah, Dr. James Roger Fleming. I just interviewed him at a weather modification conference this January. Um, I went to Austin, Texas. It's called the 21st Conference on Planned and Inadvertent Weather Modification. This was at the American Meteorological Society's 98th Annual Meeting. So while everybody downstairs was talking about weather and weather <laughs> satellites and selling all their crap, I was going around interviewing people going, hey, do you know that they're having a weather modification conference upstairs? And you should see the big eyes and blank stares I was getting. Um, You know, I I interviewed the people from the U.S. Naval Research Lab and I said, hey, you know, what's up with HARP? Why would you guys sell it? And uh, they're like, we don't really talk about HARP anymore. Um, So, you know, just fascinating to see the divide. I mean, literally, there's only a floor between you know, the people who are downstairs, um, you know, selling all this weather equipment and, you know, slinging all their wares. And none of them seem to be aware that, you know, there even was a weather modification conference going on upstairs. But um, James Roger Fleming, 
he uh, he breaks it down into three major categories, and it's pluviculture, cloud seeding, and geoengineering. And I would add a fourth to that, and that is space weather modification. And uh, we can go through all four of them if you like, but basically it goes like this. Pluviculture is anything before 1946. Because that's, uh, you know, that's the early days of rainmaking. And what they tried to do were things like shoot cannons into the sky. Um, post cereal. You've heard you, you've heard of post cereal, yep. like the cereal yep. you eat. Um, the guy um, it's named after a guy named C.W. Post. He literally went down to Texas and was firing cannons into the sky trying to make it rain. Um, so is he- yeah. The, Good. His posts like the cereals that aren't Kellogg's. <laughs> yeah, 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 pretty much. Um, so, so yeah, the the the, the cereal the cereal rainmaker, <laughs> like cereal killer. Um, he's a cereal rainmaker. Um, there were guys, uh, the most famous of which during the pluviculture period was a guy named James uh, Hatfield, um, and Charles Mallory Hatfield. He made rain for uh, Los Angeles and, uh, you know, he's paid by the city of Los Angeles. This was in the 1914s. Um, and he, you know, the San Diego was like, hey, well, we, you know, we've got a bunch of, you know, uh, you know, drought down here. We'd love for you to make it rain, too. So he actually set up these huge vats to burn chemicals to make it rain. And he made it rain so hard that it did several million dollars worth of damages. He was supposed to be paid $10,000 for the job, but the city of San Diego wouldn't pay him because in paying him for the weather modification he did, they'd be admitting liability for all that damage. Um, And this is how the cycle keeps repeating itself from pluviculture to cloud seeding to geoengineering. Um, these guys, you know, they, they make promises. They say that, oh, we can do the X, Y, and Z with the weather. And then when things go afoul, everybody gets, you know, run for the hills. Wasn't my fault. God did it. Oh, wait, today it's climate change did it. Global warming did it. Um, it's never these freaky scientists screwing with the weather. <laughs> so, um, you know, for me personally, I, you know, I, I wanted to see the big picture, and I do that in several ways. You know, I'm just a self-educated man like anybody else. I'm not a scientist. Um, you know, my father owns a trailer park. He used to uh, launch nuclear missiles. So when my dad retired from the Air Force, we moved back home, and we run the family business now. So I, you know, live in a trailer park, and I freaking read a lot on the Internet. And I taught myself to make websites so from that, I started a blog um, at climateviewer.com. And that's, you know, basically where I post all the things that I, you know, research and write. Um, I do all my own graphics. I've been a graphics artist since I was, uh, you know, six years old. I started painting and stuff. When I was 12, I got on a computer. I'm 41 now. Um, I had my first copy of Photoshop when I was 12 years old. And uh, so I do all my own graphics and, you know, web coding and research. I don't really rely very much on the talking heads on YouTube. I just do the research. Um, and that leads me to, you know, try to help people understand things in different ways. So 
I have a blog at climateviewer.com, and then I wanted to make a timeline because seeing things in chronological order really helps you, you know, sort things out. Yep. So, so I've had very, you know, many different websites um, over the years. I started out on resonated.com, R-E-Z-N-8-D. That's my nickname, Resonated. So I had resonated.com, resonated.net. Then it was terraformingink.com, which is like terraforming the planet, because that's basically what they're doing. They're trying to make Earth habitable by screwing with the weather. Um, but today, the timeline resides at weathermodificationhistory.com. And this really helps me, you know, see the chain of events and helps other people understand it. In addition to having the world's most extensive timeline on weather modification in history, you know, in geoengineering and and HARP and things like that, um, there's resource sections on there. I've got an article I wrote, 10 Technologies to Own the Weather Today. Um, These are 10 separate technologies that are in use today that are used for weather warfare, for weather modification, geoengineering, and, you know, the CIA is involved in damn near all of them. Um, you know, and then right underneath that, you can see my my most important uh, four articles I ever wrote, uh, People, Patents, Programs, and Laws. And that's, you know, that's my specialty is names and addresses. You know, um, I, I hate the people who are just so, uh, you know, flipping about all this. They, you know, oh, it's a secret this and it's a secret that. I hate secrets. So, you know, the earth's be- not dying. It's being killed. And those who are killing it have names and addresses. And that happens to be my specialty. I like to give people, you know, the information and the credible scientific references behind it so that they don't have to put their tinfoil hat on or be shoved out the door when they're talking to their congressperson, that they are armed to the teeth with information that cannot be discounted. That's what I um, love. That's what I love about all this work. When I looked at your website, because I dug into quite a bit of it myself, we talked about uh, Project Popeye and all these other amazing ones where people underestimate the amount of weather fuckery in Vietnam, like two thousand plus sorties of of uh, of rainmaking in 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 the war, and then uh, and then I noticed on your you know you've got it all laid out it's not when i talk to somebody about it they still don't they still think it's conspiracy right and i look at it's all documented all your stuff is documented it's all they're all actual programs they're actual scientists or actual people you know fucking with it so i really appreciate your your uh you know the evidence and then you sticking with all that stuff for people to uh to learn about this yeah, so I just recently did one on that. Henry Kissinger, the CIA and weather warfare. And what most people what most people don't know about um, Henry Kissinger and the weather warfare that was going on is that in Operation Popeye, you know, most people don't know that it was actually completely secret. They didn't even tell the, de- the Department of Defense that they were up to it. Um, Henry Kissinger and the CIA ran the whole damn project. So I find that fascinating in and of itself. Um, whenever they whenever they found out, here's how Operation Popeye came to light. And it, it came from a real reporter because we don't have any more of those any, today. We have all these pretty boys on TV, you know, that are talking heads that don't know their head from their ass. Um, but back in the day, there was a real reporter named Jack Anderson. 
And uh, Jack Anderson, he uh, saw a note on Lyndon Johnson's desk that said, continue weather modification over Laos. Um, And Jack Anderson, during the Pentagon Papers, first mentioned this. And he got with a senator named uh, Claiborne Pell, and they had three separate hearings on um, what happened in Vietnam. And the slogan in Vietnam was, make mud, not war. But basically what was going on was the Secretary of Defense, Melvin Laird, when he was testifying, was like, I don't even wish to admit, sir, that such you know activities were occurring because he didn't even know. I mean, when when you find out the fact that the Secretary of Defense was unaware that weather warfare was going on. It's because Henry Kissinger, the most one of the most hated men on the planet, had got with the CIA and they got with the United States Air Force and Navy and they flew three to five planes. That's all it took in total to do all of Operation Popeye. The, um, when I talked to Jim Fleming and I interviewed him in, in January, he said the base operators out of Vietnam didn't even know what the flights were doing. So when you you bring that to today's world with chemtrails and stuff, you know, all the debunkers, all the retards will say things like, oh, you know, everybody would have to be in on this thing. Well, no, it, you wouldn't, because if we can do weather warfare over Vietnam and only a handful, like 19 to 20 people even knew it was going on. And the top brass in the military didn't even know what was going on. Yes, you can compartmentalize stuff. That's how we built a nuclear bomb. That's how we did the Manhattan Project. Um, an even less known, um, <laughs> let me bring this one up real quick because it's, it's freaking priceless. Um, an even less known project was what's called the Project Nile Blue. And what happened simultaneous to what was going on with Operation Popeye was that we were doing weather warfare over Cuba. And you can see right here on the screen, CIA are the weathermen. <laughs> um, yeah. And what the, what the idea was, um, and you can see right here, another CIA plot, Cuba crops. And I'm going to quote this. But the seeding near Cuba was to cause less rain, not more. It was supposed to squeeze the rain out of the clouds before they reached the island. You might say we tried to embargo rain clouds. So this was another CIA plot going on simultaneously. You know, this is it happened uh, 68, 69. And to this day, most people have never heard of this. Here's another one. This is even funnier. In Canada, uh, a guy literally sued Bernard A. Power, professional meteorologist, president of Weather Engineer Corps of Canadian Canada Limited, sued the U.S. four years ago, and the trial began September 22nd. And he sued them because the CIA infringed on his patents when they were doing the weather <laughs> warfare. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Here's one more. This is November 1976. The year I was born, I'm born November 4th, 1976. This is November 17th. CIA tampered with Cuba's weather. So this is well documented on weather modification history. This is just one post, and I've got all of these. This is state.gov, CIA.gov, reading room, FOIAs, um, and on down the list. Um, 
but yeah, so, so most people don't know a thing about any of this. They certainly haven't heard, you know, every, most people have by now have heard about the Vietnam, you know, Operation Popeye. When Jack Anderson uh, disclosed it, they immediately renamed it to Operation Motor Pool. And then they renamed it again to Operation Intermediary Compatriot because they were still trying to hide the truth. And the truth is never uh, hidden well or long. Um, and to this day, they had three separate congressional hearings um, on what happened in Vietnam. Two of them are available on climateviewer.com and weather modification history. The third that happened in July is classified to this day. Huh. Can yeah, you- because sor- sources and methods that are still in use to this day. Wow. Can you just describe like, so a couple questions about Popeye before we move on. Cause it is like the, it is one that still a lot of people don't know about. And it was, it's a pretty profound one. So th- what was Kissinger up to then? And was it just about, was it more about testing this technology and something, or was you, was it really just uh, a way to, 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 uh, to destroy that environment? And then, and then also how were they doing it? Like, especially in this older technology, like not the stuff today, but what were they doing back then? And what were they sp- how were they modifying the, uh, the weather back then in Popeye? Um, well, they, they used several different um, technologies, uh, but most mostly it was cloud seeding. Yeah. And uh, here, let me, I'll bring like some with, pictures with, up with for like, you guys. Uh, silver iodide and barium and stuff like that, or silver iodide and... Uh, yeah, mostly silver iodide, but oh, big surprise, lead iodide. Oh. Oh, yeah, lead. Oh, wait. So everybody complains about Agent Orange, and that's why all the guys are screwed up. But they were also using lead iodide when they were spraying over Vietnam, over our troops, and obviously over the Viet Cong and the people that live there. <clears throat> but here up on the screen, this is from, uh, you can go to uh, Weather Modification History, and this is one of the timeline entries. Operation Popeye Motor Pool Intermediary Compatriot, March 20th, 1967 to 72. Um, And the goals were softening road surfaces, causing landslides along roadways, washing out river crossings, and maintaining saturated soil conditions beyond the normal time span. Um, Here's the actual equipment they used. So this is called a JATO rack. This is mounted on the side of a C-130, as you can see here. These were WC-130s. So these were actually from the weather portion of the military. Of course, on the bases, they were just saying, hey, man, we're just out there flying around checking weather. But they had mounted these flare racks on the side to do that. Um, So that's the U.S. Air Force portion. But the U.S. Navy invented something called the cold cloud modification system. This is a cloud seeding bomb. And it was invented at China Lake. Yeah. China Lake, California. To this day, they're still at it. I have FOIAs from 1994 showing that Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, Air Force Geophysics Directorate, and the Naval Air War Center, um, Warfare Center at China Lake are back at it again. Two FOIAs, both from 1994, one year before the Owning the Weather in 2025 paper was written. That. That's exactly what they want to do, except now they've switched from using silver iodide to carbon black dust. And carbon black dust is what comes out of the back of every plane you see flying overhead that's making chemtrails and making clouds all over the place. 
So uh, this is a this is Jack Anderson, my personal hero. Um, I wish we had more reporters like Jack Anderson. This is Claiborne Pell, the senator. When they said, "Hey, we're doing weather warfare," he was like, "Hmm, really." <laughs> Um, and you could see all of the newspaper articles, weather war outcry. This is 1972. Weather as a weapon of war, cloud seeding over Vietnam, U.S. turns rain into war weapon, CIA rain making over Laos has only indifferent results. Uh, that's a way to downplay it. Uh, yeah, like, the they would CIA, go, like they would do it 2000, over 2,000 times if it was indifferent. Oh, yeah. And it says right there they wanted to basically they wanted to shut down the Ho Chi Minh Trail because that's how the the Viet Cong were moving their stuff. So they wanted to muddy that thing out. And everybody's seen videos from Vietnam of our troops up to their knees in mud. So it clearly worked. Um, You know, acts of God and Congress. You got to love the titles on rain making over trail tried by CIA July 12th, 1972. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. So these articles you're seeing right here were made by my homeboy, uh, Dominic Marama. He's from Canada. I'm from Sumter, South Carolina. He goes and, and, and searches through old newspaper articles on the Internet and then combines them with the header from the newspaper and does all this in Photoshop and Adobe Illustrator and turns it into a single image so you can read the entire article, see the name of the, the you know, the source and the date and everything. U.S. Soviets propose ban on weather war. So as a result of what happened in Vietnam... Um, of course, the United Nations found out, and of course, this was very embarrassing to the United States and the Soviets. You know, they were like, "Hey, maybe we should agree not to use weather warfare." So that's exactly what they did. Uh, let's not play that. It's a video, anyway. So you can go through these lots of lengthy stuff, um, but basically, a- as a result of what happened. A couple things happened in America. First of all, all the bald head white guys up in Congress were like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We control the weather? <laughs> um, and that was, you know, that was the first, you know, response I'm sure that they all had. And, uh, you know, as a result of that, they, they, they then went on to say, well, you know, maybe if people are screwing with the weather, we should know about it. Um, because apparently this is a thing and we should have known all along and they didn't. So immediately 1972, they passed the weather modification reporting act of 1972. And what that did is called public law 9205. Um, and basically it requires now that if you're going to modify the weather in America, that you tell Congress, so or tell NOAA specifically, and they've got a couple forms that you have to fill out. Um, it's kind of funny. Um, I actually go and I get those uh, forms from NOAA and I turn them into maps. They're all available on climateviewer.com. You can see uh, it's a public law 92-205, um, and it was passed December 18th, 1971. Um, hell, I might as well share this because it's kind of funny looking. Um, 
So let me bring this up right here and I'll actually zoom in. Weather Modification Reporting Act of 1972. There's all the legal stuff on it, but down here, this is from NOAA Week magazine. Weather modification activities to be reported to Congress. Proposed weather uh, modification reporting regulations have now been published. Oh, now weather modification activities now must be reported to NOAA. And here are the forms. So these are the actual forms that you fill out if you're going to modify the weather in America to this day. But it's called NOAA Form 17-4. You fill out an initial report on weather modification activities. All of your information, sponsor and operator. Sponsors who paid for it, operator who's going to do it. Target area, location, size of area in square miles. Um, description of weather modification apparatus, modification agents and their dispersal rates and the techniques employed. And then you follow that up with what's called an interim activity report and final report. And it says over here on the side, it's got months, January, February, March, all the way down. Number of modification days, number of modification days per major purpose. So increase precipitation, make rain, alleviate hail or fog, other. Um, type of operation by apparatus, is it airborne or ground? So you can do cloud seeding from an airplane or they have ground-based cloud seeders. I don't know if most, most people have not even heard about ground-based cloud seeders. Basically, they're, uh, it's called orographic cloud seeding or snowpack augmentation. <laughs> but they, yeah, they, they burn silver iodide and in, in, in with propane and acetone from the ground, usually on the west side of a mountain because predominantly our winds go from west to east. So they burn cloud seeding generators on the ground and it blows up over top of the mountain and puts snow on the mountains so that in the spring it melts and everybody on the west coast gets water because without it, they'd be screwed. And then finally over here, it says type and amount of agent used, silver iodide, carbon dioxide, which is CO2, which is dry ice, urea, do you know what urea is? That's no, pee-pee. I'm not sure. Yeah, oh, jeez. That's, that's, that's pee-pee. That's fertil uh, fertilizer. <laughs> yes, you can do weather modification with fertilizer, apparently. Urea. Then it says that's, sodium chloride. It's kind of like salt. when you open, open the floodgates when, you know, when you've had too much drinking. You, uh, you keep peeing, so it kind of must be similar. I mean, that. it really brings some stink <laughs> to the fact. They, they're just pissing on us with this weather <laughs> modification. Um, anyway, and then there's there's a fancy little other well, um, and then so sodium chloride. That's not very. Yeah, that's not very. That's that. Yeah, that's salt. So, this is the the Weather Modification Reporting Act of 1972, um, and that's not all they did. Um, they they went on to write the report uh, Weather Modification Policy Act of 1976, which led to that poster on your wall back there: uh, Weather Modification Programs, Problems, Policy, and Potential. And this is a 700 and something page um, document. The reason this is important is because history has now repeated itself. Um, back then, the, the Congress people, they had no clue we were doing weather modification. They didn't know the size and scope of it. They didn't know we were doing weather warfare over Vietnam because it was a secret. And that's why they said, hey, with this Weather Modification Policy Act of 1976, we need to know Full disclosure, everything that's going on, who's funding it, and why, and where, and how. So that's what that report is about. 
And it, it came about, all of this that I just described came about as a result of weather modification over Vietnam, Operation Popeye. Um, and, of course, the Cuba crops thing never came up in any of this. Yeah. So the CIA was doing both. Um, and this led to the Environmental Modification Convention. That is the Weather Warfare Ban of 1978. So... This weather modification ban um, basically says it's it's the way it's worded is kind of funny because in the end, what they're really saying is, hey, uh, we're cool with weather modification, but just not for hostile purposes. <laughs> uh, you know, as long as you're not trying to kill people, um, we're cool with it. But it says each each state party to this convention undertakes not to engage in military or any other hostile use of environmental modification techniques having widespread, long-lasting, or severe effects as a means of destruction, damage, or injury to any other state party. The problem is, even though they banned weather warfare in 1978, there is no way to this day to catch somebody doing it. It's pretty hard to tell. It was pretty easy to see that somebody was steering some of those hurricanes last year, I think. But, well, that's um, getting pretty conspiratorial for you, Darren. I mean, easy, bud. I, was, Ooh, I, was, I don't. I don't think it's too conspiratorial. I, I, I wanted to just. just I, I wanted to because <laughs> nowadays we don't see any reporting on it. But yeah. um, you say the CIA, and that makes me think right away. Because I mean, my personal opinion is that, um, like, ninety-eight percent of the you know the ninety-seven percent climate change scientists. I like mm-hmm. to relate that to the media and the Project Mockingbird and CIA control and all that. Like, I don't think there's much of a media mm-hmm. left in 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 North America, at least. Yeah. Well, I did a video on that uh, Trump apocalypse, and uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna spin you a little yarn real quick, and you tell me if this seems a little plausible to you. So we know the CIA did weather warfare before twice. Vietnam, Cuba. We know that. uh, All right. So in 2008, while Obama was in office, Bill Gates, Ken Caldera, David Keith, Roderick Hyde, Lowell Wood, uh, Stephen Stephen Salter, John Latham. These are geoengineers and Bill Gates got together with Nathan Mervhold, the patent troll. And they came up with uh, about nine to ten patents on steering hurricanes. All of these were published around January 3rd. So my conspiracy is they were all sitting around at a New Year's party getting drunk. And Nathan Mervhold's got his team of lawyers in the background going, hey, we're talking to these geoengineers. Write all this shit down. And um, so they, they came up with all these patent applications. They went to the weather modification conference in 2008 and uh, did a section called New Legal Ramifications of Weather Modification and talked about steering hurricanes. They had a congressional hearing called uh, Weathering the Storm, the Need for a National Hurricane Initiative. And then the Department of Homeland Security had a hurricane modification workshop in 2008 where they got all these geoengineers together and they said Katrina was a national security concern because it did billions of dollars worth of damage. And uh, we should probably prevent another uh, Katrina because, you know, if there's anything we could do to do that, that'd be great. 
So I'm going to screen share one more time for you real quick because this is pretty priceless. So this is the Hurricane Modification Workshop <laughs> in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, David Skaggs Research Center, February 6th through 7th, 2008. And these are the geoengineers and scientists that showed up. I've got them numbered. You can see their names. I actually interviewed this guy, Daniel Rosenfeld, and William Cotton. William Cotton worked on Project Storm Fury when NOAA was steering hurricanes back in the 60s. I interviewed both of these guys at the Weather Modification Conference this year. Of course, they didn't really want to talk about that. Um, back in the back is John Latham. That's the Marine Cloud Brightening Project guy. Mosh Alamaro's in there. He talked about using carbon black dust to steer hurricanes. They talked about things like pouring oil on the surface of the ocean to, to cut off evaporation to steer hurricanes. Um, just like, you know, this is the idea. How to halt a hurricane. A fleet of aircraft drops soot in the path of the hurricane. Soot is black. Sun heats black. Oh, guess what? You can steer. Soot war is warmed by the sun, heating the cool air around the very top of the hurricane. This reduces the flow of air within the hurricane and slows it down. Depending on where the soot, where and when the soot is dropped, the now weakened hurricane will change course. So this was originally proposed by a guy back in 1976 called uh, carbon black carbon absorption of solar energy, carbon dust absorption of solar energy, Gray et al., uh, 1976. And Mosh Alamaro from MIT went to this Department of Homeland Security meeting and, and basically said the same thing that guy said. Hey, let's use carbon black dust to steer hurricanes. You can't make this shit up. Um and anyway, that's my so, video on. So, so if there's a way to, to suppress the hurricane or change its course and weaken it, I guess, is there a way to strengthen it as well? And did they, did they research that? Um, I'm sure they have. And right here, you can see this is a video I have. It's a video pre presentation from one of those weather modification conferences. 17th Conference on Planet Inadvertent Weather Modification Objection Objectives of the Hurricane Modification Workshop. So anyway, I'm getting long-winded about this. Let me go to the point of my conspiracy. Back to what your, uh, uh, your, your cohort said. Um, this is kind of funny. So... He's the cohort. In 2000, you, okay, who's the sidekick? I need to know these He's things. He's the sidekick. So Graham is on the left. I'm Graham. All right. Yeah. All right, making yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. So um, <laughs> in 2008, Obama was in office. They were doing COP21. They were all the globalist technocrats were getting their way with their global warming agenda to control everybody on the planet with their boogeyman global warming. And they were talking about steering hurricanes as climate mitigation. So this was a geoengineering thing. So what happens? Trump comes into office and magically, and I do mean magically, this eight-year hiatus, they say 10-year, 10-year hiatus on major hurricanes making landfall ended abruptly. And you can look this up. They're like, you know, 10-year, you know, 3,232 days worth of um, hurricane, you know, missing America. Suddenly, they're hitting America again. Left and so right. What, yeah, so what happened? 
Trump comes into office, he, he shits all over the CIA. First things out of his mouth, screw the CIA. And uh, what is uh, that that wrinkled old Democrat uh, Chuck Schumer say? Uh, you better not mess with the CIA because they've got ten, you know, hundred ways from Sunday to screw with you. So then, what do you have? You have hurricanes finally starting to hit us again. <laughs> it's just a coincidence. Trump comes into office, shits on the CIA, cancels COP twenty one. And then suddenly, who who is at COP twenty one? The climate, the Paris Accord, the the climate change agreement. A bunch of climate scientists who steer hurricanes. Climate, climate scientists. scientists. So is it a coincidence that Trump apocalypse? You know, three major hurricanes hit all the southern states that where all the rednecks are that voted for him. Um, oh, I'm like thinking, that. yeah, I like that. I'm thinking it is. So I, I did a video on that. You can see it on you on my YouTube channel. Just search for Jim Lee Climate Viewer on YouTube or go to climateviewer.com. My YouTube channel's all over that thing. Um, but so yeah. It, it, so, so then California could be like, a, is that a strike back? The droughts and those crazy directed energy fires or whatever those were in oh, California. Oh, hang on. Hang on. Before you get into that. I wanted to ask about the, because the, when you showed that form, I remember seeing that form filled out um, after the Houston, the Houston flood. And I know people were saying, oh, there was a cloud seeding going on around um, Texas at the time. But people were saying, oh, it's too far away. It wouldn't affect things or whatever. So was there any tie in there at all to uh, geoengineering in that Houston flood? Was it Houston? I did a yeah, I did a video on that too. Hurricane oh, wow. Harvey, Hurricane Harvey and cloud seeding, and so, U.S. Department of Agriculture electrified uh, water testing, uh, electrified water over Texas. Um, basically, yes. So anything <laughs> anything in the area would be ingested into the hurricane. It is monumentally stupid to burn silver iodide flares. Um, over the state of Texas when there's a hurricane on the way. I don't care how bad you think you need rain. Um, because anywhere, I mean, you're talking, I looked at the, 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 where the actual cloud seeding occurred was about, you know, two to 300, maybe 400 miles at the most away. But you have to understand the size of a hurricane and how the inflow of air goes. And any aerosols near that hurricane are going to affect it. So similarly, during Hurricane Sandy, what I noticed was, you know, as Hurricane Sandy was passing South Carolina, that I saw plane after plane flying in front of where the path of the hurricane was going to go. And when airplanes fly and they dump their poop all over the sky, they're putting aerosols in the sky. So the, the hurricane already has a massive amount of water in it. And what what's needed for that water to fall is three things. Any this is how all clouds and all rain work. You need dust, water vapor, and electricity. And the electricity is static. So you need static for the water to stick to the dust. The dust being the silver iodide they put out in Texas, you know, that was the the, the cloud condensation nuclei as they like to call it, CCN. Or as the dumbass geoengineers like to, they've renamed it now, ice nucleating particles, even though for 50, 60 years they've called them cloud condensation nuclei. Regardless, um, when you put dust in the sky and there's a massive amount of water there, you're going to increase rainfall. 
So it was monumentally stupid for the Texas Weather Modification Association to even allow them to do this sort of thing. Um, and you can you can see it. I mapped it out on Google Earth. It showed the you know how far away it was. And you know if you look at Gray et al. seventy six, that carbon black dust absorption of solar energy, they got a nice chart on there. Here I'll even show it. Let me bring it up real quick. Um, where they show how these things get sucked in. Um, here let me share screens real quick. And basically it goes like this. Here's a picture. So you can see weather modification by carbon dust absorption of solar energy, and they show here's the artificial cloud, carbon black dust here gets sucked in, you know, and this is a, what is this, like kilometers, 400 kilometers away, 600 kilometers away. (laughs) I mean, so yeah, radius in kilometers. I I mean, what else do I need to say here? I'll even blow it up some more. Let's open that in a new tab so we can really get in there. But you can see right there, I mean, that's 600 kilometers away inflow. Yes, it's going to get sucked in. It's going to go in there and it's going to make it bigger and then the outflow at the top. So, yeah, putting carbon, uh, putting silver iodide only 400 miles away. Yes, it's going to get sucked into the hurricane. Yes, you're going to make more rain. And yes, that's going to contribute to the flooding in Texas. How much? Who knows? I'm not that guy. Um, but as you can see, this was proposed in 1976 as an illustration of how carbon dust would be generated and dispensed from a jet aircraft. That's coming out of the engine. That looks like chemtrails to me. And then over here, they show the actual engine, the compressor, the burner, the turbine, afterburner, carbon make section, and the nozzle. So shooting carbon black dust out of planes to do this sort of thing um been talked about for a very long time um like i said this is july 1974 by william gray so if they if they knew it back in the 70s you think that they would know better than to do something like that today so was it intentional um was there culpability could they be sued i don't know you tell me yeah that's a good point we should try suing someone so let's let's get into the what darren was saying then to see if what were you mentioning there about the california fires, fires. just recently like this last kind of, kind of yeah they were right after the hurricanes weren't they excuse me the california crazy fires there that happened right after the hurricanes yeah um you know, I, I saw a lot of stuff online about directed energy be- weapons being used. Um, I saw some videos of that, and, you know, I'm just going to be real blunt about it. Directed energy weapons don't curve. And, um, you know, what I was seeing was a lot of videos of, you know, transformers exploding and people, you know, claiming that this blue light is a laser beam from the sky. Now, now don't get me wrong. What I was seeing is insane. I mean, you've got houses burned and trees right next to them that have no fire at all. But then you go and you read about these morons who were literally setting houses on fire after they robbed them. Um, there were a couple people actually busted doing that. Um, I, t- I typically try to shy away from things like that because, you know, um, with with my websites, I want them to be as credible as possible. And unless it's something I can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt, I, I try to steer away from it because, 
you know, I don't want to ruin the credibility of this. I mean, literally, um, I've got government organizations from around the world who are quoting my research right now. And I want to to be able to, you know, go to the United Nations, to go to Congress, to go to my State Department and do something about that. Um, and, you know, speculating about, you know, people shooting laser beams in California um, to cause forest fires. Forest fires have always happened in California. And um, if you want to be a little more realistic about what's causing some of these forest fires, um, especially in the California, Oregon, Washington area, uh, two things come to mind. One is that the United States Navy has a naval warfare testing ground that pretty much spans the entire Pacific Ocean right off the coast. And they are constantly shooting off aluminum, barium, chaff, um, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, of course, that dries out things. That causes drought conditions. Um, another one that most people have never heard of is called hack and squirt. Have you ever heard of it? Hack not and since, squirt. Not, well, probably something different. I'm thinking something <laughs> well, different. Yeah, we're, we're not talking about <laughs> sex here, brother, man. We're talking about... You you go you go out into the forest, you take a hatchet and you chop around the base of a tree and then you spray concentrated roundup into the tree to dry them out and kill them. And the wow. the for yeah, the forestry commissions in Oregon, California, Washington, um, they allow for this process. Whenever you create a lot of dead wood um, through this hack and squirt method, that's what's going to lead to a lot of these monumental forest fires. So let's be a conspiratorial about this. Are they talking about what James Espy, the Storm King, was talking about in the 1800s about setting forest fires on the West Coast to make it rain on the East Coast, or is this just all a coincidence? Well, I'm you know I'm not going to speculate on that, but I can tell you this: um, I've seen some pretty freaky videos of hack and squirt killing massive forests i mean like you see green everywhere and then brown like huge you know plots of brown forest where they have done this um so look into hack and squirt it's it's some pretty fucked up stuff i mean you'll see what i mean yeah yeah for sure what is the is this was this or is that is this anyone doing that practically do they think they're or would it just be because that's so that soot would create um, the soot. The, the soot would create rain. Rain um, on the other side of the mountains for the crops. Yeah. So um, or here, for, let me. Or for something else. I mean, more nefarious purposes. I mean, I don't know if they're they're doing it for farming reasons. Well, you yeah, and, and and that's why I I rarely speculate about people's you know uh, you know what what their intentions yeah. are because yeah. intents I can't I'm not a mind reader but I, yeah. what I can show you is this so cloud seeding generators Idaho Power cloud seeding generators Santa Barbara California cloud seeding generators Carson Walker Basin Humboldt River Basin Grand Mesa Colorado cloud best. seeding generators. Central Colorado Rocky Mountain cloud seeding generators, Wyoming weather modification pilot program. I'm going to turn on the NOAA reported weather modification activities for 2004, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12. And just to make it nice and visible for everybody at home, I'm going to make the map black. So this is weather modification on the West Coast. And anybody and can do this can, at home, right? On your website. 
Yeah, it's yeah. climateviewer.org, climateviewer.org. Um, if you go over here and you look at this, what you see is these are these are the cloud seeding generators that are on the ground, the ones that like fire. And each one of these mountains is snowpack augmentation. So you see right here, um, this is from 2012, 10,000 square miles was modified by North American weather consultants it was paid for by the Utah Water Resources Development Board, and the purpose was snowpack augmentation. So this is this is what they do to keep water in the West Coast because the West Coast is constantly in a drought. You can come up here to live alerts, go to precipitation, look at the U.S. drought monitor, and what you're going to realize is that's where the drought is. Um so that's why they're always doing weather modification on the West Coast. And if I were to turn on the fracking wells, you would see that that's also where this drought is. Um, so why don't we do that? This is a very large map. Bear with me for a second. But what you're going to see is that these three are related. Um, this is one of the first big aha moments I had um, with Climate Viewer 3D. So these are fracking wells, as you can see here, all of these little oil wells. And coincidentally, where are they? They're on the West Coast, too. And they are where the drought is. And they are where the weather modification is. And the reason for that is pretty simple. Fracking and hydraulic, you know, hydraulic fracturing, hydraulic being water, they use millions and millions of gallons of water. And the water that comes back out is radioactive. Just a side note. But regardless... This drains reservoirs all across the West Coast. So while the West Coast is already water strapped, um, you know, you've got fields and fields of weather modification. You know, here's your mountains that are getting their weather modified. And here's the fracking well and the severe drought in the location. It's not a coincidence. So. Um, as you can see right here, there's the, a huge field. And of course, they've got a huge cloud seeding generator station here. So apparently they're doing pretty well on their water. Um, but that's why I created Climate Viewer 3D was to kind of try to, you know, connect the dots over here, Santa Barbara. Here you go again, fracking wells here, cloud seeding generators here, because you got to make up for all that water that these sons of bitches are using. Forget about Nestle, you know, and all their bottled water. I mean, that's bad enough. Um, but that's that's the big picture, you know. Cloud seeding generators um, were first invented in 1949 by a guy named Irving P. Crick. His son is my friend on Facebook. He told me, you know, you're the only person that ever mentions my daddy. <laughs> um, and Irving Irving Crick, um, he he actually contributed to so much of this weather modification going on today. And uh, most people have never even heard of the guy. I mean, most people know that, like, Vincent Schaefer, Irving Langmeyer, and the guys uh, from the General Electric's lab, uh, you know, invented cloud seeding in 1946. But most people have never heard of Irving Crick. Here, I'll show you his pictures. Talk about a cool-ass picture. This dude is cool as hell. There you go. There's, there's Irving Crick. They just they just don't make photos like that anymore. So so uh, nowhere, you know. <laughs> but yeah, this is his uh, original cloud seeding generator right here. 
1949, Curtin Creek studies, smog, rain making, not all that wet, little articles about Irving Creek. But this, this Walt Disney film, Eyes in Outer Space, um, a lot of people have seen it. Um, and it was about, you know, steering hurricanes. It was made by Walt Disney. And the part that caught my attention was I was like, all right, I watched the whole thing. And I was like, now, who the hell, you know, came up with this idea? You know, who who was the technical advisor on this? And lo and behold, that's where I first heard the name Irving P. Crick. And when I looked him up right there, there you go, Dr. Irving P. Crick. Wow. And this is the one, it's a Walt Disney film, and like it's been shared a couple million times on YouTube, but I guess people don't really look into these sorts of things. And I was like, technical consultant, technical being he's the scientist who came up with all this shit. Um, maybe I should look into him. And it turns out he invented all these ground-based cloud seeding generators I just showed you. So um, that's how I find stuff, you know, yeah. just little little facts, little nuggets like that, and they lead to the big picture. Yeah, nice. So I do have a couple questions about the the black, carbon black. Is that the same? I've been hearing a lot about uh, coal fly ash as well. Is that is that the same type of thing, or is it a similar? Yeah, it's very it's very similar. Um, so they're almost synonymous. Some people call it black carbon, others call it carbon black, um, but it is a form of soot, um, and it's been used for a very long time. Here, let me um, let me bring up a couple things real quick because this is super damn it fascinating. Let me see if I can go. Okay, here, actually, I got a better place to get this from. I was going to go to the newspaper um, section, but it's pretty lengthy. So we'll just go back here to the contrail complaints begin 1946, I believe it is. Where is it at? Here we go. This is pretty epic. All right, here we go. Let's bring this up on the screen because this is so much fun. All right, so this is from 1958. Navy scientist creates clouds, breaks them up. And her name was Dr. Florence Van Stratton. And it says right here, we dropped carbon black suspended in liquid over a track of a mile and produced a solid line of clouds one mile long. When we dropped a hat, one and a half pound of dry packages of carbon black, we produced single clouds with each drop. Puff, puff, puff. The Navy team seeded seven clouds with carbon and dissipated each of them in, in from two and a half to 20 minutes. Each cloud turned gray and then rapidly disappeared. Aside from the cost of the airplanes, we spent less than $5 on the experiments in Georgia. And and carbon carbon black used in printers, ink, and automobile tires is nothing more than soot. It is available cheaply. It is commercial in commercial quantities and is a byproduct of burning of natural gas. So, Similarly, um, you know, there's another one. Navy creation destroys cloud. Ordinary carbon black is used. That was 1958. So we come forward to today, weather as a force multiplier, owning the weather in 2025. Most people missed this one. And this is my favorite one. If you look at this, they've got this chart. And in it, it shows technologies to be used to control the weather. 
And right here under 2005, it says CBD. And we're not talking about oils. <laughs> we're talking about carbon black dust. It has a star next to it. It says technologies to be developed by the Department of Defense. Most people don't know that. So that's in the Owning the Weather in 2025 papers. If you click on environmental warfare on um, one of the tags on the sidebar and you just scroll back a hair, before that, you're going to see these FOIAs. So here's three FOIAs in a row. This is from the U.S. Navy. And that FOIA says, weather modification, non-lethal warfare proposal, and guess who's doing it? China Lake, California, for all the same reasons that they did back in um, Vietnam. And you can see their costs right there. So they're still up to it. Um, and then you got the Air Force. This one's even better. This is a FOIA from 1994. What does it say? Weather modification using carbon black. You can't make this stuff up. I'm going to blow it up real big right there. So this is a Freedom of Information Act request, not the bullshit you hear on YouTube, um, where they go, oh, secret this and secret that. There are very few secrets left to this guy here um, because I does my homework. And what it says, capability sought for use of carbon black dust, muddy dirt roads, decreased mobility, flood rivers, decreased comfort level. All the same reasons that they were doing it in Vietnam. So history is now repeating itself. Um, but and, and that would be great, you know, if that were all there was to it. But that's not all there was to it. Then you have this one: counterforce weather control from SpaceCast 2020. And most people have not read this. This came before the owning the weather in 2025 papers. This is June 1994, the same date as those two FOIAs. And you can read all about that here. This is the SpaceCast. I pulled this from The Black Vault. Shout out to them. I was unaware of this paper till just recently. And their reason for doing this, the exact same reasons that they did back in there um, in Vietnam. So that's your, so four, that's your fourth um, thing, right? Your yeah, fourth, that's... Yeah. That, that's that's three FOIAs in a row right there. Then owning the weather in 2025 happened from 1995 to 96. And if that wasn't enough, the very next year after owning the weather in 2025, they had the Test Technology Symposium 1997 weather modification where Dr. Arnold A. Barnes Jr. from the U.S. Air Force Phillips Lab, the same people mentioned in that FOIA, um, went and gave a speech, and he says, you know, even though the UN Convention on the Prohibition of Military uh, and, or Other Hostile Use of Environmental Modification Techniques, aka NMOD, um, bans this stuff, the official Air Force position needs to be reevaluated in light of the 19 oh years of God. scientific advances, in light of the advanced weapon systems, which are now more environmentally sensitive, to prepare against technological surprise from China and Russia. Yeah. Um, and then here is your carbon black dust smoking ass gun. So I actually found this on an army.mil website. It has been deleted from the internet. I recovered it from archive.org. Shout out to the Wayback Machine. Um, <clears throat> and this is available on climateviewer.com as well. Um, so here is 
oh, wait, that's Air Force. Owning the Weather in 2025 is in his presentation. So this is from Owning the Weather in 20. It says Air Force 2025 there. All the reasons that we want to do it, flood lines of communication, reduce mobility, decrease comfort level, same thing that was in the FOIA. Deny fresh water, induce drought, same thing CIA did to Cuba. Space weather, disrupt communications or radar, destroy satellite or space assets like laser beams in space or spy satellites. Fog and cloud removal. Oh, but wait, it's going to get better. We're going to touch on chemtrails. So this is that slide about the Air Force needs to be reevaluated, position needs to be reevaluated. Oh, what's Harp doing in his presentation? Oh, Jesus Christ. It's going to get ugly in just a second here. But this is the one I wanted to show you. Weather modification using carbon black. Slide one. Increased precipitation. Muddy dirt roads to decrease tractability, flood fields and small rivers, decrease troop comfort level, decrease tractability, decrease precipitation, dry out roads and fields for improved tractability, deny fresh water to troops in semi-dry regions. What? So this is at a U.S. Air Force Army joint um, uh, meeting, and wait for it. Here's slide two. Increase cirrus cloud cover Ugh. what did that that dude just said chemtrails that dude just said chemtrails make chemtrails using carbon black dust you make cirrus clouds and why does he say you want to do it none of the bullshit you've heard online not for you know more gallons or any of that he says the military says they want to create cirrus cloud cover to deny visual satellite or high altitude reconnaissance and decrease light level for nighttime operations. All right. If you got your UFO out on the runway at Area 51 and you don't want the Russians or Chinese to see it, you might want to make clouds that covered the sky because the satellites are in space. And if there are clouds, they can't see what's on the ground. Makes sense? Makes sense to me. If we're in the Iraq war and you got a bunch of poor Iraqi, you know, Republican guard um, who don't have night vision goggles, then you create a whole bunch of cirrus clouds. You create a whole bunch of chemtrails. You block out the moonlight. It is darker than a mofo. And our night vision goggles are suddenly a serious technological advantage. That's why the military says they want to create cirrus clouds. This is real as rain. Now I'm really going to screw you up. So I'm going to go back to the weather mod history timeline. And I'm just going to type in Lyndon Johnson. And what did President Lyndon Johnson say? He said, wait for it. It lays the predicate and foundation for the development of a weather satellite that will permit man to determine the world's cloud layer. Hmm. Video of him saying that. Oh, and I've heard that other part. And then ultimately to control the weather, he who controls the weather will control the world. And that was in, when was that? 62? No. May 27th, 1962. And he said this. At a commencement speech in uh, Texas, I got the link right here, texasarchive.org. You can actually go over there and see that. But the even better one, and most people have not heard this one, 
Control of space means control of the world. <laughs> From space, the masters of infinity would have the power to control the Earth's weather, to cause drought and flood, to change the tides and raise the levels of the sea, to divert the Gulf Stream and change temperate climates to frigid. And then blame the people. And then blame it on you because you're all burning fossil fuels. It's your <laughs> damn fault. So. <laughs> It's not the climate. It's not climate change. It's not your fault. It's the climate changer. So from 1962, Lyndon Johnson freaking saying that we could control the world's cloud layer all the way to today to the United States military bragging about that. This paper was made in 1997. Wait for it. Here's where they talk about stirring hurricanes and thunderstorms. But let's just go to the last slide. This is as of 1997. Current capabilities, targeted fog dispersal, local changes in precipitation, cloud modification, surveillance coverage, just like I just showed you, whole boring, create, suppress, cirrus, contrails. Oh. Ah. Wow. That was 1997. By the way, if you do a that Google timeline. Yeah, if you do a Google timeline search, and I did, I wanted to find the first time the word chemtrails was ever used on the internet, and it was 1997. That's a coincidence. <laughs> the very first article that ever said the word chemtrails was about JP8 fuel. And JP8 fuel is very interesting because it's part of something called the NATO single fuel concept or one fuel for the battlefield or if you're a lord of the rings fan one fuel to rule them all so basically uh, under the guise of standardizing a fuel to make it easier logistically and all that now they're they can add whatever the fuckery they want into it yeah uh, so fuckery? basically the, yeah it's it, it's jet fuel fuckery um it's it's a what i like to call fuel sulfur content geoengineering um here, let me bring this up. I'm going to go over to climateviewer.com. And right here is the history of chemtrails. You're going to click on that. I have a page called Cirrus Clouds Matter, the shady truth about contrails. And it's a fact, um, you know, frequently asked questions. Got a whole lot of drop downs right here. Um, but right here, are cirrus clouds filled with metal? And I'm going to click on that. And what you're going to see right here is this image. I'm going to bring it up. And this is what's in the jet fuel. So before the single fuel concept, they were using JP5, which is uh, a, you know JP4, a gasoline, and JP8 is a diesel fuel with a shit load so more of aluminum. It went from 2,100 parts per billion of aluminum to 9,300 parts per billion. So aluminum in 28 countries more than tripled when they switched jet fuels. Is that a coincidence? I don't know. You tell me. More importantly, calcium, 5,000 to 31,120. Now, I talked to a guy from a national laboratory who said that everybody's missing the point, that aluminum and barium have shit to do with all of this. The calcium is the actual important part. David Keith and Ken Caldera um, two geoengineers, they first started saying 
let's use aluminum to geoengineer the planet. Then they switched to titanium and titanium dioxide. And then just recently, he said, let's use calcium, a more gentle way to geoengineer the planet. Well, that's exactly what NATO did back from 1988 to 1997 in 1996 they completed the conversion from jp5 to jp8 and all of these metals that are shown right here on the screen tripled quadrupled you can see right here strontium went from 70 parts per billion to 351 titanium from 35 to a thousand um so this is all just in jet fuel I mean, with no additives whatsoever, the fuel itself. So by this is all controlled by something called the NATO Pipeline Committee. Um, and this comes from a For military pipelines? paper. Yeah, well, the NATO Pipeline Committee, they, they determine what goes on in all of the, you know, the jet fuel in all of the NATO countries. So the NATO Pipeline Committee is made up of three separate groups, and one of them is called... Uh, working group number one, special tasks. And if you wanted to geoengineer the whole goddamn planet, it would only take the guys at the NATO Pipeline Committee Special Task Force to say, here's what we want in the fuel. And suddenly, in 28 countries simultaneously, that should be sprayed all over the globe through the jet fuel. I have now over 40 or 50 separate um, references from geoengineering scientists who say exactly that. Let's geoengineer the planet using jet fuel. Let's put metals in there. Let's put sulfur in there. Um, let's use two jet fuels in one tank so that we can turn the clouds on and off. Um, I can show you the patents if you like. But basically, for me... You know, this chemtrail phenomena, it's all in the gas tank and what they put in that gas. Because while you see these photos of pipes and pumps, and I've seen so many photos of pipes and pumps, I know what every damn one of them are because I go and I do a Google image search and, you know, go find the original sources of these. And they're either fire retardants, ballast tests, things like that. It, they're very misleading. So there's like an entire industry of ear porn pushing artists out there who are making a lot of YouTube dollars on their AdSense um, pushing this fear porn, but they don't really care about the activism side of things and helping people understand so that we can do something about this. Yeah. Um, my, my, my litmus test is if somebody talks about chemtrails, I want you to ask them, What's your plan to do something about it? Yeah. And if they don't have a plan, yeah. fucking change the channel. I mean, yeah. seriously, so, you need to change the channel. So, okay, there's some, I got a lot of questions on this because obviously there's a whole fucking jingle about this and making fun of me being an all-in believer in chemtrails. I mean, we've we've done this to death on the show, but, but, uh, but there's a bunch of different things that you talk about that hit when they found out that these planes were making clouds, didn't they do something decades ago to try and get rid of them? And then they came back in sort of chemtrail format with this timeline that you're talking about. And then also I feel like there's more than just the fuel as well though, but are, isn't there, you know, spray apparatuses and different means of dispersing the stuff as well? Like, isn't it a bit um, safe to say that there's multiple things going on here as well? 
Oh, yeah. certainly. Yeah. So, so here's how I differentiate. Um, if you're talking Delta Airlines, Southwest, commercial flights, generally speaking, you're talking about jet fuel. Jet fuel makes clouds, period. And the reason it makes clouds is because soot comes out of the back of planes. That soot is loaded with metals, period. Um, I can show you the list of metals. Um, there's a, a paper that's called Physical and Chemical Characterization of Non-Volatile Aircraft Engine Exhaust. Here's what they found just in regular jet exhaust coming from regular jet fuel. Like nowadays or, or way back? Today. Okay. This is like, this is from, here, let me bring the paper up real quick and you actually see it. Um, one sec. So there's two different things going on here. One being commercial, one being military, obviously. Why is this thing not loading? It's from archive.org. That's why. So back to the paper. Um the detected metallic compounds were internally mixed with soot particles. The most abundant of these metals in the exhaust were chromium, iron, molybdenum, sodium, calcium, aluminum, vanadium, barium, cobalt, copper, nickel, lead, manganese, magnesium, manganese, silicone, titanium, and zirconium. Just in the jet exhaust. Okay. So metal makes these clouds. There is a there's a group called uh, Ulrich Lohman and uh, Jasper Kirkby from CERN. Um, they they have this cloud project, and what they were doing was they were looking to figure out what's you know what's going on in these clouds, what's making them. And it says the big one we found is lead. Comes from things like tetraethyl lead used in fuels. Still in some light aviation. So that's probably the biggest metal we find, but we find a whole host of other metals. So this is a, a carbon black soot, you know, spherical as they call it. And you can see right there, PB inclusions. That's lead in the soot. All of the metals that we're finding in the sky are in this soot. Soot is burned out of the back of the plane. So these fine metals, it said, you know, well, of course, you would need to do a whole lot of stuff to, to change the sky. Well, the paper is called Clarifying the Dominant Sources and Mechanisms of Cirrus Cloud Formation. It would seem that you'd have to change all the aerosols in the atmosphere very radically to get a big effect on clouds. But because mineral dust and metallic particles are such a small amount of the particulate matter, just a percent or two. It means that you only have to change about a percent or two of the particles to get a big effect on these clouds. So to create clouds, all they need is, you know, very small fractions of metal in the sky. And that's how they're doing it. it the, the soot burnt out of the back of planes is loaded with these metals. Um, just recently, the Indian Space Organization found... Uh, you know, the soot particles at 18 kilometers in the sky. And they said they, the only place they could ever come from is planes. And that, that, um, that that's affecting their monsoon, destroying the ozone layer and all that. So planes are fucking up the sky by what's what David Keith, you know, David Keith, right? he lives uh, just down the road from us in Canmore, Alberta, I believe. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really? That's oh, where. That's where I, was is he the guy who made the 
The billboard? The billboard? No, is there the was dissing, about the, the billboard. bitching about the billboard. And he's pushing for geoengineering. I mean, it's a disgusting yeah, a thing. Like all the all this all this stuff is is mind blowing and it's disgusting to me as well that we're even trying to mess with the weather. And I mean it's just it's a bit overwhelming because it's it's just it's just rampant. I mean, it, it, people should really be in shock with this whole thing, you know? Yeah, so he actually wrote a paper called uh, Photophoretic Levitation of Carbon Black Soot. And uh, what he was talking about is, uh, here, let me bring this up real quick. Um, he's talking about the fact that, you know, that soot actually floats, okay, by itself. Whenever the sun hits the soot, it levitates. So as the soot comes out of the back of the planes, it goes up. And that's why I've got this paper right here, how how jets make metal clouds, um, just the facts. And that's what we're talking about here. Um, David Key said, you know, we could, you know, here's the paper I'm looking for. This is from the Indian Space Organization. Black carbon from aircraft exhaust is destroying ozone, melting the poles. Wow. And that's the black soot we're talking about right there that you can see clearly in that photo. Um but you can see right here, black carbons affect monsoons. Um, right here. Is black carbon affecting monsoons? The Indian Space Organization, ISRO's Vikram Sarabi Space Center, and the Indian Institute of Science, pretty pissed off about it because it's affecting the weather over India. Yeah. Um, you know, this is something that's just coming out. This is like September of 2017 on this paper. Um, so this is new science. Now, back to your question, could it be more than just, you know, the jet fuel? I say yes. Um, have you ever heard of Janet? Yep. Ja just another non-existent terminal? No. No, actually, I thought it was Joint Air Force Navy something or other. Mm -hmm. Janet, just, a, uh, just another non-existent terminal. So... The CIA has its own airline. That's the one that goes through Area 51, isn't it? Or? Yeah, the ones that does the special flights to Area 51 and all these. These are white, unmarked planes. Huh. Um, yeah, it, those are the ones that aren't going to be on Flight Radar 24 for obvious freaking reasons. Now, if you were going to do weather warfare, a la Cuba style, a la Vietnam style, Operation Popeye style, if you were going to do chemtrails and it be a secret government program, well, the CIA owns its own freaking, you know, fleet airline. Yeah. So yeah. There, to say that it's all one thing there, there, I hate to say all every or never um, because yeah. they're they're pretty stupid. There, there's rarely a single cause for anything. Yeah. Um, you know, usually there's multiple layers to that. You know, there's layers to the shit player tier masu. Um, so I, I, I tend to tend to think that, you know, for me, I try to fight flight pollution from airline industry, and I recognize that history can repeat itself. That. Um, have you ever heard of Agent Green? Yep. So no. Agent Green is um, a mycoherbicide. It was part of something called Plan Columbia. And basically the CIA was spraying a fungicide. Uh, it's actually a fungus. 
um, on the cocaine plant in Colombia in South America. Now, this mycoherbicide made its way all the way back to Texas and is now in the corn and in the livestock. Um, those are chemtrails. To this day, you know, we you know, we have secret government programs where they're spraying stuff overhead. Um, during the, the 50s, they had something called the Manhattan-Rochester Coalition. Um, the most famous case was in St. Louis. Just recently, a lady named Lisa Martino-Taylor um, disclosed that the U.S. Army Chemical Corps was spraying zinc cadmium sulfide, a radioactive material, over you know the black neighborhoods in St. Louis. Um, and then later on, they were going to find the children and you know find the dead people and grind up their thyroids and see how much they you know ingested. Um, they did Operation Large Area Coverage or LAC, uh, where they took a C-117 and flew from coast to coast spraying zinc cadmium sulfide. Um, <clears throat> Um, you can see the entire uh, reports on that on uh, climateviewer.com. The title of the article is, It Was a Conspiracy, Military um, Experiments on Unsuspecting Public. So for me, chemtrails is a two-pronged thing. There is the, you know, some of what the debunkers say is true. It is condensation. But what yeah. I say to them is condensating on what? That's yeah. the important part. Yeah, yeah. That's um, a good point. I want to go ahead. Keep going. And then the, the flip side to that is those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. And that's the slogan at weathermodificationhistory.com. You know, if, if they were able to pull off these large sprayings of zinc cadmium sulfide from coast to coast, drop bombs of mosquitoes, um, Operation Big Buzz, Big Itch, all of these things, if they can do all this stuff in secrecy, they can do it today. And geoengineering has been considered a national security concern. The CIA funded a geoengineering study to the tune of $630,000 just recently. And, you know, CIA Director John Brennan was talking to the Council of Foreign Relations about geoengineering. Um, this is not a coincidence. The CIA has been owning the weather since Lyndon Johnson. So, if you're looking for, you know, scandal, if you're looking for secret, you know, government programs and white unmarked planes spraying God knows what in the sky, those are your guys. But that's not Delta Airlines. Yeah. The only way it is Delta Airlines, um, and David Keith even mentioned this in a, in a cost analysis paper, is something called CRAF, C-R-A-F, the Civil Reserve Air Fleet. And what it does is it modifies civilian planes for military purposes. And the, the original design for craft was, if we had like a World War III, that they could quickly take the seats out of 747s, convert them to like jumbo jets to transfer military equipment all over the planet. But David Keith himself mentioned using craft to modify 747s to spray geoengineering chemicals. So is it possible that they are modifying the planes to do that? Yes, it's possible. Is it likely? No, because of cost involved, because people would know. Yeah. So the, the, the simplest solution for all of this 
comes from what they call biofuels for contrail control. You can Google that, biofuels for contrail control. And um, on uh, weathermodificationhistory.com, I'll bring it up real quick. Uh, if you just go to the front page and search for, search for dope jet fuel, you can see all that. Here, I'll bring it up on the screen. This is the modern way that they're using commercial aviation to screw with the sky. And the quote goes like this from a scientific paper. Applying high fuel sulfur content at aviation cruise altitude combined with ultra-low sulfur jet fuel at lower altitude resu results in a lower uh, aviation-induced mortality and increased negative RE compared to the baseline aviation scenario. What this means is if we use biofuels on takeoff, will make less soot around airports, which will kill less people around airports. But yeah. if we load it with sulfur when we get in the air, we can mimic the Pinatubo effect and geoengineer the planet and cool it. And that's what David Keith was talking about with photophoretic levitation. Could loft particles above the stratosphere, reducing their capacity to interfere with ozone chemistry. Um, say... They have now more evidence, this is the Indian Space Organization, that such particles existing up to 18 kilometers in the stratosphere, and there are about 10,000 black carbon particles in every cubic centimeter now, and it could only be derived from emissions of aviation fuel. So how does this work? Like this right here. So here's your patents, fuel system for vapor trail control. There's the patent number. Pause it if you need to read it. Um, and then this one, fuel, two jet fuels, one tank for contrail control, U.S. patent application. And the best one of all, control unit and method for controlling the supply of a vehicle with multiple fuels. This is how they use two jet fuels in one tank to, you know, turn the clouds on and off. Um and, and that's, you know, that's it in a nutshell. They use the jet fuel electronic control unit, put biofuels in one tank, put JP-8 doped with sulfur in another tank. And the pilots don't even have to know. Um, this can all be done. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was just going to ask you about I mean. The, pi the pilots are clueless to this. This can all be done from afar. Um, this is geoengineering uh, using jet fuel. The FAA has something called Next Gen, Next Generation Transportation System. It's a supercomputer. It puts all the flights on, on highways in the skies. It creates the grids in the sky. Um, it has something attached to it called the Aviation Environmental Design Toolkit, AEDT. And what that does is it tells them whenever we're going to make clouds in the sky, um, you know, are they going to cool the planet or are they going to heat the planet? If they're going to cool the planet, that's a good thing. We can make carbon credits. If it's going to um, heat the planet, we're going to have to pay carbon taxes. That's really going to suck. Um, so that's really, you know, in a nutshell, what's going on today. So they've got two tests going on for this, Access and ND Max. They're testing these biofuels for contrail control. Um, and, and, and that's where the rubber meets the road for real. Wow. Um, yeah, you're answering a bunch of questions as you go along here, which is fantastic. But I mean, I, I remember as, uh, in my youth seeing planes fly over 
and the contrail would dissipate fairly quickly. And, you know, you would see it as the planes go through the sky, but it wouldn't linger around and create a whole cloud system. So now I see both. I see, you know, so I wanted to bring that back to like, and I think you've already answered this, but just, just maybe clarify. So when you see those real persistent extended contrails, that's probably the, uh, the fuel with the additives or with the, with the chem <clears throat> metals in there. And then when, when, when you do see even, even planes at the same altitude or you wonder why some dissipate very quickly and it just looks like a normal contrail, is that, mm-hmm. is that the difference then? I mean, cause there's the weather's the same in the same spot. Like, yeah, there, there, there are multiple factors in this. Um, obviously this stratospheric sulfate injection with high sulfur content, uh, fuels could be one of the, the causes. Um, if one jet is running this special fuel loaded with sulfur, then yeah, it's going to make more clouds period. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and they can turn this on and off at will. Uh, you know, there's a guy named Ulrich Schumann. Uh, he created the contrail serious prediction tool. Give me one second, I'll show you that thing. It's pretty fascinating. Uh, here it is right here. Let me make sure. Yeah, so here, here's here's it in a nutshell. Um, the ICAO Colloquium on Aviation and Climate Change, we need less soot emissions, less warming, and more cooling contrails predictable for operational planning. And Ulrich Schumann is from the DLR. This is like NASA, Germany's NASA. Um, and he came up with this jewel right here. The Contrail Cirrus Simulation and Prediction Tool. It is part of the FAA's AEDT, Aviation Environmental Design Toolkit. It's called COSIP. And what it does is it says, hey, man, if we're going to make clouds that are going to heat the planet, knock it the fuck off. If we're going to cool the planet, that's a good thing. Keep those clouds. I interviewed the head of the FAA, um, Aviation Climate Change Research Initiative. He, um, his name is Dr. Rangasai Halthori. And he made the statement, we want to make clouds by day, none by night. And you, you just can't make this stuff up. So... Um, what they're doing is something called the access flights. And the idea is pretty simple. We want to do this alternative fuel effects on contrails and cruise emissions. Um, they do a whole lot of science on, you know, how this affects clouds and social wear, welfare costs, agricultural, for, forestry, ecosystems, social effects, like people freaking the fuck out online about chemtrails. Um, <laughs> But this is what it looks like. I mean, they're literally up there flying behind the planes, um, you know, to test the, the chemtrails. And you can see it right about here. This is the the metal particles. And oh, off the chart. Now they're in the actual plume, you know, testing what the chemtrails are doing. Um, they're, all of this is an experiment. And that's what I'm trying to, you know, get to people that they, they really don't know what the hell they're doing. Um, they're constantly screwing with the jet fuel to try to figure out, hey, are we cooling the planet or are we heating it up? Because it oh. seems like we're melting the fucking poles. Oh, it's and just if a we're gonna melt joke. Yeah, so that this is from the Access uh, Cruise Emission um, Time Series. So, yeah, all the evidence in the world is right there, man. Um, you really should just dig into it. You can do all this by going over to, to weathermodificationhistory.com clicking on doped jet fuel or artificial clouds. Um, come to climateviewer.com, go to the tag artificial clouds, 
Um, similarly, but nobody's talking about any of this. And that's the big red flag for me. Um, what, what I do know is this, um, when, when they make clouds during the day, that's solar radiation management, that's the sun coming in and they're trying to block it. But whenever it hits the ground and it's supposed to go back to space, this is now called earth radiation management, not SRM, ERM. And the reason why is because those clouds are making trap heat and then it bounces up and goes like this. So if they can get rid of those clouds at night, they think they can cool the planet during the day and then let that heat escape to space at night. This is called cirrus cloud thinning or cirrus cloud seeding. So these guys are all bought into the, the global warming thing, though? I don't I don't really understand the the motivation because mm, I, it's because it's, they, too far. it's it's just yeah. it's just mind blowing to me that they're trying to to play around with all this stuff based on it, junk science to begin with. I mean, the, we, yeah, we were junk. under a mile two of ice uh, twelve thousand years ago here in in Calgary, Canada. Yeah, you know, I yeah. mean, of course it's warming. We are still technically in an ice age if you look back far enough. The cycles. I mean, it's crazy that they are just yeah. uh, just yeah. doing all this based so, on so it's kind of like it's kind of like this i tell people that you know the sky is like a, a lake you know some people like to swim in the lake some people want to skip rocks on the lake other people want to fish in the lake some people want to ride their jet ski in the lake but everybody's using the lake for a different reason <laughs> some people pee in now, it now yeah i mean i i i like to pee in the lake when i'm in there don't tell anybody <laughs> Um, just between me and you. Um, but yeah, so this is kind of like a tug of war. So you've got the climate scientists who believe global warming is real and they're trying to mitigate the warming effects of cirrus clouds. But the truth of the matter is that for a hundred years, they've been trying to melt the poles to get to the oil and gas under it. And now it's well-documented on weathermodificationhistory.com and climateviewer.com. Um, so what's the real conspiracy behind chemtrails? Greenwashing. Um, if you've not heard this term, it's it's making a dirty industry appear to be green, and that's what biofuels are all about: is greenwashing the airline industry while they try to circumvent getting attacked by the carbon cabal, aka the technocrats and the carbon taxes. So, because the cirrus clouds are trapping heat, because they allegedly are melting the poles, guess who makes that? The fossil fuel industry, the people who make the jet fuel want to melt the poles. Why? Because they want to get to the oil and gas at the poles. So you got climate scientists are going, wait a minute. These clouds are melting the poles. Article from IOP Science, Greenland ice sheet melts more when it's cloudy. There are many different papers that are now coming out about this that basically these chemtrails we're seeing are melting the poles. So for a hundred years, they wanted to melt the poles to get to the oil and gas. The people who make the oil and gas are the fossil fuel industry. They supply the jet fuel that's making the clouds. And guess what, as a side added bonus, if you make a bunch of clouds, guess who else you shit on? The solar industry. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and our health, right? I mean, yeah. And, and of course, our health and, you know, all of the effects on rainfall. Um, 
you know, they've actually replaced the, the natural water cycle with weather modification and geoengineering. We put plastic in the ocean, which screws up the evaporation. We cut down all the trees. Trees make cloud seeds. Um, and we put pesticides everywhere, which kills all the bacteria that also is cloud seeds called Pseudomonas syringae. Um, so when we kill all the natural sources of cloud production, that's when we end up in this situation. Holy. Well, my that, wife is giving me the wrap okay, it up. Yeah, let's. Thing. Okay, my, yeah. My baby's, my baby's yeah, about man, to hit the yeah, thermonuclear man. guys. Yeah, it's been, uh, but just if you could have two minutes to describe your uh, initiative uh, before we let you go, that uh, we should yeah, probably yeah, say. Certainly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, um, so I, I'm trying to propose an add on to end my the weather warfare ban of 1976 that brings two things uh, transparency and verification. Because Basically, when we banned upper atmospheric nuclear explosions, we came up with a system to monitor for nuclear explosions. It's infrasound recorders, seismographs, and all that. That way, when Kim Jong dumbass is blowing up nuclear bombs, we immediately know about it because bans do not work. You can ban a thing, but unless you can verify that somebody broke the ban, it doesn't matter. So we banned weather warfare in 1978, but we have no way to catch somebody doing it today. So... What I propose, and I've already got the backing of several prominent scientists, including David Keith and Ken Caldera themselves, have both agreed that this is a good idea. Wow. That um, that worldwide, if you're going to do any kind of atmospheric experiment, be it cloud seeding, uh, sounding rockets, ionospheric heaters like HARP, um, anything, period, that just like we did in America, we have a Weather Modification Reporting Act of 1972. There should be a worldwide Weather Modification Weather Experiment Reporting Act um, that is an add-on to NMOD. And the reason why is because of the word of the day, intent. So what, um, NMOD bans hostile intentions. In order to be able to tell if somebody's intention is hostile, you need to tell me in advance. So... I propose a 48-hour uh, notification window. At a minimum, you must tell us 48 hours before you're going to do an atmospheric experiment on a publicly available website so that everybody knows simultaneously. That way, if you create a tornado and kill people, if you destroy somebody's crops, we can sue your ass at the very least, and you might have just violated NMOD. Um, secondly, we create a sensor network to detect weather modification, weather warfare, geoengineering. And that should be a two-part system, trust but verify. So one should be all of the government sensors of the world, all the satellites, radars, wind, aerosol detectors, whatever the governments and universities have that they all be combined for the purpose of detecting weather modification and geoengineering. But secondly, I personally hope to create something called a climate viewer that goes in my backyard, that views my sky, that displays it in real time on, on climateviewer.org or a map similar to it, um, that does rainfall samples in real time so we can see what chemicals are coming down that measures things like wind and radiation and all the usual weather stuff. So we need notification up front. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? And if we catch you lying or if you don't tell us and we catch you in the act and you are hostile, 
you did violate in mind. This is a way to actually bring teeth to a law already on the books that bans what everybody seems to believe is already going on, and it seems more than readily apparent is going on. We're in the middle of World War III, and nobody knows it, and it's a weather war. And that's my, my story, and I'm sticking to it. You can support my act. It's called the Environmental Modification Accountability Act of 2018. It is available at climateviewer.com slash nmod. That's E-N-M-O-D. Um, and, of course, I'd also like your support, uh, climateviewer.com or uh, patreon.com slash climateviewer, uh, paypal.me slash climateviewer. Everything I do is open source, advertisement-free, um, I do this because I was a Boy Scout. I have two daughters, and I don't want them to grow up in a fucked up world where you know, people can continue to do this in secrecy. That's why I'm driven to get as many facts out there as possible and be solution-based and uh, you know, pragmatic about this because all I see is an industry of fear porn artists who you know, are, are, are perfectly fine with filling people with fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Fear is a mind killer. It's demoralizing. Um, so my websites are fear porn free, um, and that's why I do what I do. I hope to bring you know accountability and transparency to this secret world of geoengineering and weather warfare. And the only way we're going to do that is if you know we really put some teeth to end mod um, and catch them in the act. Awesome, that's a great summary and really excellent presentation. I mean, honestly, you just answered all my questions before I even had to ask ask them. I mean. Fantastic. We should have you back on maybe in a few months too, uh, after things settle back down and maybe closer to the, uh, to the act. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, really, really appreciate your work. I think it's super important. I mean, it's a topic that's close to my heart. I'm always ranting about it on the show and you did a lot of better job of selling it than Graham did. (laughs) I'm all in, Jim. I'm all in. I, pre- I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah dude. No, nothing but facts over here, dude. I, I I don't like bullshitting people. And I think that if you go to weathermodificationhistory.com and climateviewer.com, climateviewer.org, and you'll be a believer, too, uh, just like Graham. It's so important. It's a, it's To me, it's like one of the most important topics. So, yeah, thanks a lot. We better let you go. Yeah, thanks, Jim. We'll, well let you get I, back I to it. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, yeah my, my two daughters need to be put to bed. I really appreciate you guys doing this, and okay. uh, I appreciate spreading the word. Okay, buddy. Love your show, and I'll, okay. I'll definitely shift around. Okay, okay, good. Thanks, buddy. Ciao. Okay. Thanks for having me, guys. Okay, bye-bye. Now is our chat with Jim Lee. Great show. Wow. wow. Mind-blowing, that eh? not mind-blowing or what? Fact after fact after fact. I mean, so good at sharing the, his, his uh, sites, you know, his presentation. I've been on his sites before, and they're, they are very, uh, very well done. Uh, just jam-packed with in, in, uh, information. This is the type of thing that just makes me really feel like I love what we do right here, right? We talk to these guys. Is this a new favorite been for you? doing, like, this research for so long, right? Year upon year upon year, putting all this this timelines and facts together for everybody timelines and facts you know and he's not just he's not a you know all in conspiratorial chemtrail guy like he's he's just all about the facts i mean if somebody watches this on youtube and they, and they can't like open their mind a little bit to what's going on then there's some some problems i would tend i would uh what are you what are you in the middle happens? of playing with chords in the middle of our, <laughs> our outro here i <laughs> Isn't it something else? Can you believe it? Oh, my God. What did I do? You pulled out my left ear. My dude. <laughs> yeah, I got nothing now anymore. <laughs> I don't know if everybody else can hear or if we're still recording. Are we still recording? We're still recording. 
not quite as professional as Jim. Huh. That's yeah. the new one. Yeah. So I think we just broke something in the studio. To ask for your support. Grammerica.ca slash support. Might uh, fix Darren's problem over here. Fuck. All right. Yeah. Big thanks to Jim for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for, for listening. Uh, do check out Jim's Patreon and his PayPal. And while you're there, check out our support page. Grammerica.ca slash support. And uh, help us keep on keeping on. And uh, fix whatever the fuck just broke now. Keep your eyes in the skies. Easy, man. Easy on the... Oh, I get it. I thought you were throwing in a UFO thing there. No, the chemtrail. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah, I get you. I get on. you. I'm There's sorry. Clouds are being created up there and for multiple purposes. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Think if I sit here long enough Fixed to this green, brown, blue sky Approximately or two thousand years In old Domini In old Domini My hot drink would turn cold My hot drink would turn cold My hot drink would turn cold Dream sequence Dream sequence Dream sequence She'd eventually
Thank you. 